Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Because you're a level four, because you've been running your affiliate, because you've been a manager, because you've been a boss for so long, doesn't mean that when the next person comes onto your staff that you can treat them the, the same way, good, bad, or indifferent. Doesn't, I'm not saying you can't have that same approach mm -hmm. that you've had with somebody that's been on your staff for five years. That person that's been on your staff for five years, you built up this inherent level of trust that you don't have with a newbie. And you gotta start at step number one, yeah. which is build a strong relationship. There's a whole lot of things that are outside of your control. Let them go, let them go. Just focus on what is the best thing I can do, the best thing I can do to maximize my potential. My potential, my potential. Five, four, Today, I wanted to talk to you about um, leadership inside the affiliate and maybe more specifically, uh, if we get into it, um, buy-in and how to get, whether it's coaches or athletes or staff in general, sort of to buy into your vision um, of, of that affiliate. So first thing is maybe just a, a broad look at how you think about leadership and sort of how you came to think about leadership um, today versus maybe when you first started your affiliate? Yeah, um, love the topic, love everything about leadership, um, mostly because when kind of a little background about myself and where I, I, where I thought I was going to end up in my profession, I did not see myself as a leader whatsoever growing up. And I used to take personality tests, you know, like growing up and um, it always said I was a very, I'd be a very loyal person and a very good um, follower. And that's how I kind of saw myself was the, the loyal foot soldier to me, what, tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. And that hurt me early on in my career of being an affiliate owner and a coach because I wasn't a good leader. Uh, I'm still not. I still have so much room to grow and I'm going to be, I hopefully I'm going to be light years better than I am in 10 years than I am right now. But I know right I'm a much better leader than I was 10 years ago. I, I think that what a lot of people feel is you're deemed coach or you're deemed the owner. And by default, you are put in a leadership position and people should buy in and listen to what you say. Unfortunately, that's just not the case at all, mm -hmm. even a little bit. In fact, because you're put in those positions, you have to work extra hard to get them to buy in and do what you say and all the rest. There's stolen from John Maxwell, there's different levels of leadership. And I've tweaked this a little bit to fit more for our setting. But I believe the first level of leadership is <clears throat> positional leadership, meaning that people follow you or do what you say because they have to. 
there it's you're their boss or you have these initials after your name or you are their coach you're running the 8:30 a.m. class and they're taking it so they have to do what you say that's a very low level of leader level of leadership and there's no buy in from anybody it's a force of hand it's i hold the power you don't so you have to do what i say it's people are following it because it's the law because they have to not because they want to or any other reason level 1 leaders lead in fear. They're afraid of losing their power. And the way they lose their power is by having the people that they're coaching or leading rise up to that same level. If you're a level one coach and you're coaching a bunch of your members and they get their level one and that's all you are as a level one leader, then you no longer have any say over them. You have no real true leadership. And people have come up to me and said, Ben, I have this issue. I got this problem where you know, I have my affiliate, it's going well, but the biggest problem I'm facing is with my other, my my members are coaching other members. Mm-hmm. What do I do about that? By definition, by you are a level one leader. You know, they've gotten their level one, now they think that they're these coaches that can coach other people. Well, if that's the only reason you feel like you can coach them is because you have your level one, you're a, you are at the lowest, you're just a positional leader. What we're all trying to aspire to be is the next level of leadership which is a relationship-based leader. And what that means is people are now following you not just because of your title behind your name, not just because you're a coach, not just because you're their boss, but because they have an inherent trust and they like you. The analogy there would be if someone off the street came up to you and said, you know the way you're doing your thrusters with a closed grip on the bar and the bar is actually in half inch off your chest is if you opened up your palm and let that fall on your chest, I think you'd be more efficient with your thrusters. You'd be like, who the hell are you? (laughs) Whereas if your brother said that to you, Mm -hmm. your brother's never done CrossFit before, but he's like, I read this, you should try it. You'd be like, okay, Mm because you trust your brother. There's a level of trust, there's a level of buy-in. It's much, much higher than the level one. You have to get past, you have to get past positional leadership and grow into relationship-based leadership. It's why the most important thing we have in our affiliates by far and away is the ability to build relationships. Without the relationships, you can't coach. Mm-hmm. That's why we put so much emphasis on it. So we're all trying to grow into this next level, which is relationship-based leadership. It's a nice place to be. It takes a lot of hard work to get there. To get there, you can't do it by coaching the points performance. Most people think that the elements courses that they run or foundations or on-ramp, whatever you want to call it, is about getting people up to speed on the points performance. This person's not ready to come to class. Yes, they are. When you started CrossFit, you didn't know anything. Right. You could do it. What you need to do, the reason for an elements class is to start to build the relationship and the trust between the coaches and the new member and the affiliate in general and the new member. That's what it's about. If you can build that trust, then all of a sudden, they're going to start to listen to you and get the buy-in. But unfortunately, what happens is if you stay at that relationship level, first off, relationship gyms are good. They're mm-hmm. low drum. that. I don't want to say they're low drama. There's less drama because there's not the infighting of, I don't think this person believes in me and this person is trying to take my job. That's gone. So it's a friendship based and they're very social and they're fun. Great place to be a part of. People want to be there and they hang out after class and they're doing all the right things. Unfortunately, if you stay at a relationship leadership place, you're going to lose highly motivated athletes or highly motivated coaches to because they're looking for more. Mm-hmm. They want more. And what they want is results. And that's the next level of leadership. If you are a results-based leader, 
What that means is I've delivered results for people I am leading. I've gotten, I've hired people with no coaching experience, developed them into be great coaches, and they're now on the level one seminar staff, and they're coaching people around the world, dictating the message of CrossFit. That's showing results. The next person that comes in on my coaching staff is going to be have another level of buy-in because they've seen what's happened in this place. They've mm-hmm. seen the growth of a pure newbie with no coaching experience all the way up to one of the 50 most well-respected coaches in the world. They've seen people come in that were 80 pounds overweight that now have six packs and are doing 30 unbroken pull-ups at a time. They look around and like, whoa, there are results here. They see the class of soccer moms all in their 40s ripping off, you know, uh, you know, three-minute Fran times. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa, you know, and they all have six packs. It's like, there's something going on here. Right. There's results. So there's a bigger buy-in. Now that's great, but what we're trying to do is get even further than just that results. What we're really trying to do is get to an individual leadership basis. And that is where I deliver results for you. So if you see the results around you, it's kind of like if you went to, um, if you were a walk-on on Alabama football, you'd be like, I'm going to, I buy into Nick Saban. Like I know what he stands for. I know the man's talking about because he's had incredible results in a dynasty, the most dominant college football program in the world, numerous number one draft picks. Like this is exactly, it's a part of what I want to be a part of, but he hasn't delivered results for me yet. I'm a walk on all of a sudden by year two, I'm a scholarship athlete. By year three, I'm a starter. And by year four, when I'm a senior, I'm being touted as an NFL pick. Like, Nick, thank you. Anything you say, I'll do. <laughs> like, you've delivered results for me. It's not about what you've done for other people. It's for me. At that point, when you're a level four, people will run through a brick wall when you deliver results for them. So let's say you've gotten somebody that walks in the gym and they're 100 pounds overweight and they can't run to the 200 meter line and they can't get up off uh, um, a, a bench or a toilet seat without some major work or assistance. All of a sudden you get that person down to where they're running nine minute miles and they've lost 50, 60 pounds and they're starting to do some workouts prescribed. All of a sudden, you know, and they get their life back. All of a sudden that person's like, coach, what's next? Just tell me what's, what else you can do. And you're like, well, there's this thing called zone or paleo or macros they're like i'll do it like instead of this infighting or you know everything else or even better you go up to that coach that athlete and you're like calm john like john i know i know you've been doing it this way here's my thoughts if we just change this up a little bit he's like coach i'm of course i'm gonna do it there's no like second guessing like is if i'm a level one and i say that he's like uh does he really just want to stay above me on the leaderboard does he just not want me to be better than him is he trying to put me down? You know, to see all the little questions come up. There's a fifth level, which is not really what we're aspiring to be, but it kind of just takes place, which is this pinnacle leadership. And that's really what Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Phil Knight, uh, Phil Knight, um, Phil, uh, Phil Knight's Nike, Phil Jackson. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading a Phil. Yeah, and some yeah, actually, you're right, Phil Knight. Yeah, yeah. If you go to work for Phil Knight, yeah. like you, he's a level five leader yeah. probably. Um, that level five is pinnacle. And that's where your reputation supersedes everything else. People are seeking you out for what you stand for. In fact, what Nick Saban, if a walk-on comes on, he's going to get that buy-in on day one because he's got that reputation. Mm. Most of us as affiliate owners don't have that. I don't have that. 
you know, I have it with some people like Catherine David's daughter moved from Iceland to Boston to train with me and me coach by me because she saw me as a level five leader. Mm-hmm. But Mike and John Smith, Mike and John Mary Smith from the next town over that are just here about CrossFit for the first time and never heard of what we do are walking the doors for the first time. And I'm a level one when they walk in. I can't coach them the way I would coach a level five. Right. Level five, the athletes on my team and the athletes I coach to go to the games, I don't need all the cordials. I don't need all the criticism sandwiches. I don't need all the um, the pleasantries. I can be a lot more blunt and direct with them because they understand the motives behind what I'm doing. The buy-in, they totally get it. Now, I'm not, I still have to work on it. I still have to build the trust, but it's nowhere near newbie walking in totally uninitiated, unknown. For them, the first steps is building a relationship. And you can't jump levels and you're on a different level with everyone in the gym. Because you're a level five with some doesn't mean you're a level five with everybody. Because you're a level four here, it means you gotta, the big thing is if you can recognize where you are with each of those athletes, holy cow, the power you have, because it tells you what you need to do. If you're a level one, you gotta build a relationship. If you have a strong relationship, you gotta deliver results. If you deliver results for a whole bunch of people, you gotta show that person results. Mm -hmm. You do that with enough people and you become a level five. Uh, is that short enough answer that for was, you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think it's really important to to highlight the idea that you have to be aware of where you are with each person, both athletes and and coaches, because it's just as appropriate with with a new coach or a coach. You know, I think about Harry here. Like you, your relationship with Harry here, he's been with you for years and years and years, is significantly different than the the, the you know the most recent coach you just mm-hmm. had. You have to sort of like. Go back to the beginning, which I think is where people get frustrated because they recognize I put all this time in in this area, but it doesn't translate to the next person. And they get I think people get complacent or they get lazy and they don't put in the as much effort in the second person as they did the first person. I think that can be the that that's the hang up, I think. Wow, I love that. Yeah, totally. I you know. Um I don't even know if I've ever even like actually verbalized, I heard that said, but I love that, right? As because you're a level four, because you've been running your affiliate, because you've been a manager, because you've been a boss for so long, doesn't mean that when the next person comes onto your staff that you can treat them the, the same way, good, bad, or indifferent. Does I'm not saying you can't have that same approach mm-hmm. that you've had with somebody that's been on your staff for five years. That person that's been on your staff for five years, you built up this inherent level of trust that you don't have with a newbie. And you gotta start at step number one, yeah. which is build a strong relationship. Show the person, and when I talk about relationships, I think that people kind of misconstrue what that means and they brush over it. They're like, I got it. Like, so first off, the highest level of relationship to me is the highest level of trust. I and mean, Heather and I had this conversation the other night. This is what trust is. You're wanted by the authorities for some heinous act. You hide that person and keep them away from the authorities and you lie to the authorities about it. (laughs) That is, I trust you more than anything else. Now, there's a really small handful of people in your your life that you do that for, right? Who would you hide from authorities? Because there were, they said, I didn't do this, you gotta protect me. That's a small number of people. Now, I'm not saying you have to have that with all of your people you're coaching, all the people you're managing, but- that's the level, that's what trust is. That's where the buy-in is. It's not I have a relationship because I know their name. 
I know that they have a dog named Sandy. Mm-hmm. It's not I know their friend time, so I have a relationship with them. It's not they show up four or five days a week and I give them high fives after every workout. Relationships are way deeper than that. And I don't have it with everybody in my gym. I could get way better at it. And it's something I'm aware of is how much deeper we go with all of this. But the first part about relationships is, are people sharing fears with you? Are they sharing things that they're afraid of or are they putting up blockers? If they're putting up blockers and they're trying to make everything happy and jolly and basically what we see on Instagram, (laughs) if what you see on Instagram is what they're showing you in real life, that's that you're not, you don't have a relationship with that person. You have a social media, it's like, it's like, it's a fake yeah. relationship. You have surface level. You are a, fr- you're a friend <laughs> in quotations, yeah. right? You're not really. When start, people start to share with you what they're afraid of and what they truly want in life. And, you know, maybe those are things that might be embarrassing in some situations. Now we're starting to scratch services. When people share with you why they feel like they can't do certain things. Now we're starting to get there. You know, you have a you have a person that's working for you. You put them in a management position, and that person starts to talk to you about why they're afraid of managing and why they have troubles with it. Now we're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. You have um, a coach. You have an athlete, and all of a sudden they start talking to you about why they, you know, they're they smile every time they walk in the gym. And it seems like they're having a great time, but they tell you that, you know, that they they actually sit in the car in the parking lot for four or five minutes debating whether they should come in. Now we're starting to get somewhere. Like that's where we start to share these things. So relationship, don't all of a sudden brush into like, yeah, I'm not a level one. I'm, I'm a relationship leader. Let's do a little deeper self-assessment of that. So those moments, those moments where the person is willing to open up a little bit more, right? Is that, have you found in your experience that that's something that you need to pull out of those people? So for example, if it was an athlete in there and you got the sense that there was more there and you get the and you and you're starting to get comfortable with the idea that this person might trust you enough. Is that something that you just sit back and you wait when they're ready to to talk to me about X, Y, and Z? That's when they'll do it. Or do you find it's valuable to say, okay, I'm right there. I think I can get out of them the thing that will make them a little bit better, whether it's a fear, whether you know whatever yep. it is. There's a, this is a big part of um, like emotional intelligence and it's not something that's inherent in everybody. And most people, if you ask them, we talked about this before, if you ask a lot of people, like, where do you rank on terms of emotional intelligence or people smarts or how good are your communication skills? Everyone's going to rank themselves above average. Well, everybody can't be above average. You know, it just doesn't work that way. Most people are actually average or below average communicators. They're just not taking as hard enough self-assessment. It takes a lot of tact. It takes a lot of ability to know how to do that with athletes, with people, with people managing or relationships with your spouse or friends or anything else. There's a few like key points there. First is sincere listening. So sincere listening is a huge step above what most people are doing, which is what most conversations, what most people are doing while the other person is talking is they're formulating their response. They're not truly listening. And here's an, and it comes across like people, if it, it comes across really quickly, here's a little thing that I picked up from one of our members. He doesn't, he's actually owns his own affiliate now, but it's one of our members. He was great at this is when he were talked to, when you would talk to him, he was sincerely listening and he, girls loved it for, for us. <laughs> he would tilt his head ever so slightly, look you in the eye and nod as you were talking. Mm-hmm. And then when you were done, he wouldn't say anything. 
He just kind of let it sit there for a moment. <laughs> and man, it was so cool to have a conversation with that guy. Interesting. Because you knew like you weren't talking to a robot. You weren't talking to somebody that was going to feed you back something. Now that's like step one is that's called sincere listening. But engaged listening is even more. Engaged listening is can you do that? But show the person like that you haven't drifted off and that you understand and you're going to drive. You're not there for the ride. You're not there just to absorb information. You're actually there to drive it forward. You do that by repeating certain poignant pieces to what the person's talking about and follow it up with some sort of open question, not a yes or no. So the example would be like, um, someone's like, you know, oh, I got to go to the doctor tomorrow. I just, I just, I just hate that, you know? instead of being just like, yeah, last time I went to the doctor, that's the worst thing you do is just talk about you. Last time I went to the doctor, you know what? I had this mole on my back and it ends up being like non-camps. Thank God. Like, and yeah. you know, that's the worst thing you do. The best thing you do is sincerely listen, pause before your response. Now, next, what you can do even better is be an engaged listener. You don't like, going to, why don't you like going to the doctor? Okay. Now we're having a conversation. We're getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with the doctor's? Don't you feel like it's a place that you go and like reaffirm your health and get you on the right track? Is there something that you don't that happened to you in the past or that you're afraid of in the future? And now we're going to start to get somewhere. Mm-hmm. Open-ended questions with engaged listening is a huge step forward in that emotional intelligence area, which will, as a coach, as a human being, will move the needle for people enormously. The last one is, don't have all the answers. Someone asks you a question. It sounds like rhetorical, but don't answer it. Ask, ask them another question. See if they can answer their questions. Hmm. You know, so, uh, you know, so a coach, an athlete comes up to you and is like, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about this workout. I feel like it's a little bit heavy. What weight do you think I should use? You're like, well, instead of 135, I think you should use 95. Okay, where's the level of buy-in there? It's right. like, again, it's like, okay, does he not think I'm good? Does he not think I'm strong? Does he not think I can keep up with the other people? Um, is it, Instead of like asking the right appropriate questions, you know, last time you did this workout, what weight did you use? And how did it feel? How do you feel about doing it with the same weight today? Instead of saying, I think you should do the same weight today. And just ask him questions so that, a good coach is somebody that can get someone to come up with the answers that the coach wants, but they feel like they're coming up with it on their own. That's how you create buy-in. Um, is it important or why is it important that as, a, as an owner, your coaches are developing this specific skill set? Like why is it say, – say you, say you were a level three, level four leader with – the majority of your affiliate community, right? Maybe it's not big and it's not so big that mm-hmm. you can't do that. Is it okay in that at that point if you just have really good level one, maybe level two coaches, but who are really good coaches who are sort of like are tacticians and they they see and correct really really well and they demo really well? Is it necessary that they are paying attention to whether or not they're be, they're becoming a two, a level three, or a level four leader within the affiliate or is there a balance there between what your strengths and what you need from a coaching staff? Um, so the first part of that is you said if they're a really good level one or level two, there's no such thing as a good level one. Okay. You can't coach at level one. 
you're leading in fear and you have no buy-in. There's no buy-in in level one at all. Those are really, they're the people you didn't enjoy working for in your past. Okay. That's who, they're the coaches that were dictators and told you how to be and there was no results to back it up. So that's, you know, the other thing I want to say real quick about that is there's, some people might be like, well, no, no, like, you know, um, Bobby Knight isn't all about building strong relationships. Yeah. He throws chairs and chokes his athletes out. <laughs> you know, I get it. I think that most of his athletes would feel like he would, you know, run through traffic for one of his athletes. Yep. There's a huge level of buy-in. Yep. There's different tact, but also recognize he's a level five leader. When you're a level five leader, it changes your your you can change your approach slightly. You don't need all the pleasantries. So having said that, um, I think it's very important for all of your coaches to be aspiring to the highest level. And here's one thing: if you're a level three coach, you should not be aspiring to have a whole bunch of level three coaches. You should be aspiring to have a whole bunch of level five coaches. Mm -hmm. Just because you're at a certain level doesn't mean your coaches and your athletes can't be better. I've never won the CrossFit Games, but that's a, I know I don't want my athletes to aspire to the level that I've reached. They should be reaching much higher than I have. The level uh, another um, kind of level of leadership. They're called level five leaders by Jim Collins, in the author of Good to Great. One of the characteristics of a level five leader, in, for, according to Jim Collins, is they leave their position in a position of success so that their predecessors will be more successful than they are. Mm -hmm. A level four leader doesn't do that. A level four leader might have incredible, incredible results. Like the example I might give there is um, Jack Welch of GE. Mm -hmm. Jack Welch, arguably one of the best leaders in, you know, an American history in business. But when he stepped away from GE, GE took a major fall. That's not a level five. That's a level four. Level five. Um, and what happens is because level fours are ego driven. What they see is when I step away, Jimmy Johnson of the Cowboys. When Jimmy Johnson was the coach of the Cowboys, they won three Super Bowls. When he stepped away, uh, that's actually... Barry Switzer um, won a Super Bowl as well, but then after that, it fell apart, and that was mostly because there was only there was only this this much that it would carry on for. The great leaders have no ego, and they want their predecessors to be even more successful than they were. It's another way of saying I want the people I coach and my 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 coaches to be even more successful than I am. You know, that's a characteristic of level fives. We want all of our coaches to be at the highest possible level that they can possibly be. If you're okay with them being level threes or fours, that's the definition of competence. We talked about that excellence scale. If you're okay with them being level ones, you're complacent. You don't care. You're building it. You hope people show up, but you truly don't care. If you're okay with them being level threes, meaning they're giving results to some people, but not everybody, that's competence. That's but if you're striving for everybody in your gym to get results and everybody in your gym to have phenomenal relationships with their coaches and incredible buy-in from top to bottom, that's the pursuit of excellence. Do you think one of the the hardest things about that, especially when running an affiliate and, and thinking about coaches, is the fear that I'm going to put all of this effort into one of my coaches and then in two or three years, they're going to open up their own affiliate. That, that I think is 
or could be one of the hindrances to really, really living. Because I think that that philosophy, a lot of people will say, yeah, of course, I want my coaches to be better than I am. But I think that the fear that comes in is just not so good that they that they leave me. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And that's something that there's been a lot of gyms open up out of CrossFit New England. So has that been a struggle for you to sort of to 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 live that philosophy and really and really go all in on I want all of my coaches to be better than I am because that that to me is where it, it like the rubber hits the road a little bit. Yeah, you know what I should do is I have a 4-year-old son. I'm not going to tie him how to teach him how to tie his shoes, <laughs> how to cross the street or how to how to work hard. Cuz mm-hmm. if I if I don't teach him those things, he'll never leave. That's that's true. There we go. So what I have is a whole bunch of incompetent, I have an incompetent son. Instead, I'm going to pour everything I have into him to maximize his potential today and hopefully grow on that and make it even better tomorrow. Maybe it's idealistic, maybe it's altruistic, but I can't control whether they leave or not. And truthfully, if I have, if I am hiring good people, they should want to leave. It happens in every other industry, yet, you know, we... If we have a coach for three or four years at our gym, that's phenomenal stickiness in our in any industry at these days. Yeah. Very few people stay in one position for three or four years, let alone something that's inherently part-time for most people. Part-time jobs are think about like you're working at Home Depot, you're a babysitter, you are a waitress, you're you're a ski instructor. Like those are part-time jobs. People don't stay in those jobs for half a decade. We can't expect people to stay in our jobs for more than half a decade. If we have someone for two or three years, that's about the norm. Now, we do and we want to hold on to them longer. And we hope that when we train and we put so much into them that we can hold them longer. But to think that because I put so much into into someone that they owe it to me to stay is, is misguided at best. Yeah. Um, is that something that you've always believed or has there been a period where, um, you've again, cause a lot of gyms have come, have opened up out of here. And I know I've known a lot of the coaches who were coaches here and then they went on to sort of yeah. do the, the bigger and better things for them. Has that been a hard transition or has that always been, um, I don't want to say an easy transition for yeah, you, but no, have you always understood that that's the, the way it has to be? I've always understood it. Um, but it doesn't mean I have to like it, right? <laughs> totally. I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. I, every time a coach leaves, it's, it's like, uh, and it, it hurts real bad yeah. for a whole, for every reason you can imagine, sure. right? I'm losing a friend. You know, people always say, well, like, we'll be best friends. We'll do events together. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't. Right. You, because you, I have to go run a gym now. You're, guess what? Here. I'm busy and I'm running my, I feel like you're going to be busy and running yours. It's not going to, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, so it hurts for all the reasons. I'm losing a friend. I'm losing an employee, which is probably most likely one of my really good employees. Yeah. If um, I'm probably going to lose some members. Um, so I don't have to like it. It's just that me liking it and me trying to control it is two different things. Mm. There's a lot of things I don't like that are outside my control. You know, I don't like when it rains, but I don't spend <laughs> hours every day trying to worry about the rain. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.